Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Check out all their podcasts. They got a bunch of great live events about to go on. That's all found at OsirisPod.com. In this episode of Across the Margin, the podcast, I present an interview with director Simon Lorang Wilmont. Simon's first feature documentary film, The Distant Barking of Dogs, premiered at IDFA and was awarded Best First Appearance. It has since gone on to win 35-plus awards worldwide. His latest documentary, a deeply affecting film entitled A House Made of Splinters, is the focus of this episode. A House Made of Splinters first made its world premiere at the 2022 Sundance Film Festival, where it won the Best Director Prize in the World Cinema Documentary Competition. The film was an Academy Award nominee for Best Documentary Feature Film for the 2023 Oscars and has continued to be a word-of-mouth success and essential to dialogues around crisis caregiving and the Russian-led invasion of Ukraine. The film explores how the most vulnerable are caught up within institutional bureaucracies, generational traumas, and international flexes of power beyond their control and limits of understanding. About the film, Simon says, A House Made of Splinters is a film about the long-term, less visible, but no less devastating consequences that war has had on many of the small communities situated along the front line of the war in eastern Ukraine. More than anything else, he continues, A House Made of Splinters is also a story about love, compassion, and hope. It's a documentary about what powers the dedicated and big-hearted caregivers working tirelessly to try and give the children a better future. And what makes these incredible children still want to reach out and dare to try and form close human connections, despite the tragic circumstances of the broken families that they come from. So, in this episode, me and Simon discuss the psychological and emotional trauma that is inflicted upon children in times of war. We talk about how profoundly special the shelter at the heart of the film is, and those working there are. We explore the generational cycles of trauma caused from war. Coping mechanisms that kids are drawn to in dire situations, the power of hope, and so much more. A House Made of Splinters just premiered this week on PBS. Head over there to check it out. It's uh, on video on demand. There are links in the show notes. It is so worth your time. And I believe you will learn a lot from this interview with Simon Lorraine Wilmot. podcast hello i'm fine thank you and you i'm good i'm good thank you so much i really appreciate your time the documentaries it's incredible thanks thanks a lot yep uh you ready to dive right in talk about it absolutely Okay. Um, so I'm curious, kind of just to get a little backstory about the whole thing. How did you kind of come upon the shelter that's at the heart of this documentary? How did you, you know, hear about them? What was it like when you first kind of entered their doors and, and got into that world? Yeah, the whole reason actually why I found myself at the northern parts of the then front line of the war in eastern Ukraine was actually because of my previous film, which was also shot near the front line uh, in Ukraine, but down south. Um, this film, I followed, you know, a 10-year-old boy and his grandmother who was living very close to the front line for a year and a half. And obviously, I got very close to this couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, at the end of shooting that film, the grandma became very ill. And that kind of raised that question, 
due to my worry for the kid, you know, what would actually happen to him if she was to pass away? Mm. Uh, luckily, she didn't, but um, but I couldn't quite, and doing fine, but but I couldn't quite, you know, escape that question. Uh, and I kind of felt I needed uh, to know if there were other kids in this situation where parents were no longer able to take care of them. And if so, what would actually happen to them so close to the front line? Yeah. Um, and that brought me up north. Uh, the city administration up there was really willing. They saw my film and and they were really willing to to let me come and 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 explore and research. Um, and I went kind of like on a tour along with my my assistant director, who's Ukrainian, and and we visited a lot of state orphanages. Um, but most of them were, as you probably would imagine, very uh, big and institutional institutionalized. You know, good at taking care of the kids' physical needs, but not focused at all upon the emotional needs. Um, so I was actually almost on my way home when one of the last days of that trip, you know, I, I headed over to Margarita's shelter. And the second they opened those like steel heavy doors, you know, yeah. I got so surprised. Really? It was something I could feel it immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it it was different. It was smaller and it was worn out, yeah. But mm. there was carpets on the floors and there were, you know, kids' drawings, you know, ha hanging up on the walls. And uh, in one room, there was, you know, this beautiful elderly lady that were trying to teach some of the girls' music, even though she, she clearly wasn't very adapted it herself, you know. Yeah. And I distinctly remember, you know, Margarita standing at the end of the corridor and she was kind of hugging two kids while she was scolding some parent over the phone. And the whole place just exuded, you know, this warmth and compassion. And there was something so different and interesting there that I, you know, I felt immediately this was a very special place. That's kind of beautiful. And I'm going to have some questions about, you know, the people that made it beautiful like that as well. But I did want to ask this, um, you know, being 20 kilometers from kind of the front lines, um, there was war is actually not mentioned in the film. It's really not brought up. It's I mean, we're dealing with the, the tolls of it, you know, whether psychological, emotional, all the trauma that comes from it. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, that choice not to have involved and also kind of curious because you hear the children talk about a lot of different things when it comes to their parents. A lot of it grown up things they're talking about. We'll get more into that. But um, mm. they don't talk about war either. So I was wondering how much, how aware they were, and also just that choice to kind of not delve into it too hard. No, actually, it's it it stems from a very conscious choice to be true true to the to the point of view of the kids. Actually, mm. you know what they see, what they hear. That's what we're true to in the story. And um, Lysychansk, uh, the city uh, where was 20 kilometers from the front line now it's in the occupied territories and the city has seen very fierce fighting it's one of the most contested cities and there isn't much left of it anymore but at that point in time we were around around 20 kilometers away the war had swept in over lisichansk once and then been repelled um so the most of the kids um um uh, had seen uh, war action before with mortars and stuff but it was some years ago still um a few of them actually also had scars from uh, actual um um uh, fighting but 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 they weren't the the the, the main children that i chose didn't yeah. um but um 
uh, it was the most important thing for me was to be clear and and what they were seeing at this point in time uh, you can hear the the cannons firing at each other uh, on on clear days um uh, and if you look or listen carefully you can also hear that in the in the story as well a couple of times but but uh, at this point in time the war was almost gone from the perspective of the kids yeah. They they yeah. they couldn't kind of perceive those you know more invisible long term consequences that having a war uh, in your background or in your backyard mm-hmm. uh, for so long is having on the civil society because it is one of the reasons why the social uh, challenges and problems are spiraling so out of control as they were in that point in time. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what they've seen and 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 you know how have they've lost innocence and grown up so fast some of them just want their mommy some want a home this is kind of like what they what they would focus on um like i was saying there were so many intimate intense things they were talking about at such a young age and 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 they were doing it all in front of you it's basically you and your assistant if i understand right so that kind of yeah. brings just you two kind of into that world but it still takes a lot of trust and you know i'm sure especially with what they've dealt with there there's a you know uh, it's harder for them to trust I was wondering how that was um, getting the kids to kind of uh, be comfortable in this in this environment to share what they're really feeling. Yeah, um, you're right that that these kids have a, a natural uh, um, suspicion towards strangers, maybe. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're genuine about who you are and what your intentions are and and you keep true to your word, as we do, me and my assistant, uh and then just, you know, taking the time to actually uh, be interested in their lives. Also, you know, the things that just interest them, maybe, you know, and we spend a lot of time playing around with them, you know, and joking. And 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 uh, so it's not like an, like a journalist coming, asking the hard questions right away. You know, it's, it's about slowly getting to know each other. Uh, but of course, also ex- on trying to get them to understand why we're there, you know. Yeah. Um, we, we spent quite some time each time we went, because we went in trips, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, each time we would come, we would remind them, you know, if there's something you don't want us to film, you know, put up your hand, say no, or just walk away. Yep. And in those incidents, you know, when when that actually happens, because it did happen, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. it's so important to stay true to your word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think over time that develops into some some that kind of mutual trust that we need between us, yeah. where it's also okay for me to be there when the moral more emotional moments happen as they must yeah as they're going to um it is i mean just when the uh, the the documentary starts out it's real it takes you right into you know uh eva i believe talking to her grandmother and it, alcoholism comes up a whole lot and that's obviously a toll with people dealing with something like this and just how it trickles down but i think that's important part of um of what we've learned here in your film just seeing the um you know psychological and emotional tolls of war not just the physical and i was wondering if you could speak on that a little bit what what it does to children what it what it did to the children you saw in this situation yeah there's no doubt that when when the parents kind of lose themselves uh 
for various different reasons, but you know, when they become addicted or and and they stop being able to take care of these kids, it forces all of these kids to grow up way too early. Yeah. Uh, to take on responsibilities and and to see stuff that that you're not supposed to be seeing in a happy childhood, you know. A lot of these kids have very heartbreaking stories with, you know, situations that you would think and even most adults would actually uh, be having quite the hard time to deal with. Um, but 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 uh, it forces the kids to grow up. But the, the good thing, I think, is if they if they end up in a in a place or with people like Margarita and her and her, you know, uh, caregivers, uh, kids are also. Mm, how do you say blessed in that regard that most kids have a really good tendency to to compartmentalize put it away and try to focus on the good stuff in life and in in a, in a lot of ways i think that's one of the keys to actually surviving these kind of trauma yeah i was going to bring that up too because it just it i mean i don't think it was like fully highlighted but it's something that kept popping up here and there kind of like the, the ways in which you cope, whether it's when, you know, initially you see them dancing. I mean, there's a, even like the, the, the Christmas holiday too, like traditions and holidays. And I, it, you see a lot of coping mechanisms and the things that get you through. And that, that must've been, I mean, I guess that's what I want to bring this up too. I mean, it's a hard film, but there is mom so many moments of joy and there's also hope. And I guess it hope it kind of ends on a hope note. Um, it, I think it'd be interesting to hear about how, how they're able or why you know with the power of holding on to hope in this whole situation we see it with uh eva a whole bunch it's really it's beautiful yeah but I, I think one of the key reasons is that margarita and her and her caregivers really understand that one of these things that the children need and crave the most mm. is a normal functioning everyday life. And yeah. that's what they're trying to provide them with. They're trying to provide them with everything that we take for granted, you know, a certain amount of meals a day, a warm bed to sleep in. That's a given, you know, yep. but... but on top of that, also somebody who's, you know, demanding you do homework before you play. But yeah. if you do your homework, you're allowed to play. So it's kind of like good adult role-playing uh, role models, so to speak, that they, they, they find and can reflect and maybe even begin to idolize some of the of the persons taking care of them like they were family and see, wow. okay, this life is actually also possible. Wow. And I can actually trust people of this character uh, because that's in the end one of the most key key to for these kids to to not repeat their parents' mistakes is to to um, both emotionally and consciously understand that they can choose a choose a different way that their parents did. I thought a lot about that uh, what you just said with uh as it Kolya is that his name yeah. boy here. Yeah. Yeah you almost saw a point where like kind of that cycle could be repeated where he was, you know, kind of getting his cigarettes, he's getting into trouble, you know, the police are coming to see him. And that whole idea of breaking that cycle seems to be like a very important thing with this. You know, you could see how just the despair could just trickle down through generations. And that's gotta be hard, hard, hard to see the kids dealing with and how, seeing, seeing, seeing how easily they could slip into, to, uh, you know, a pretty tough life. It's, yeah. One of yeah. Kolya has uh, four siblings, actually. We only see two of them in the film, but he actually had four oh, did small yes. siblings. And he's the oldest, right? Yeah, he's the oldest, and none of them have the same father. And oh, from really? what I can understand of the mom, 
uh, <laughs> Jobless also has something to say in this, but from yeah. what I understand from her, none of these guys uh, are really <laughs> good fathers. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of like the role model. So you can tell, if you know this, you can tell so obvious that he's like trying to impersonate the only idols that he's had, had in her li- in his life. Yeah. And they were bad guys, you know? Uh, so what what he desperately needs is somebody a good uh, male character to to actually be able to identify with and 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 uh, to call dad or at oh. least some friend in that regard and uh, we were really uh, me and my sister were actually very heartbroken that he was not taken into the family that also ad- that adopted his four siblings yeah. because yeah. they didn't have room for him. But luckily, uh, uh, early uh, this year, uh, in uh, January, he was actually adopted by a seemingly really well-to-do really? and respectful family. Yeah. And I've spoken to the father, and he seems like a really cool dude. So I have I have hope. I'm cautiously yeah. optimistic for Koya. I was, was going to ask for an update on Koya. That's really great to hear. He's, he's, with, he's with that family you spoke to right now? He is. He's living not far from Kiev. Um, the only sad, and they're really getting him back on track, as far as I understand. Yeah. The only thing that's really missing is that when the war broke out, he he lost contact with his siblings, wow. uh, and that's been a, a a big grief of his his obviously. But but the family, as I said, is is really resourceful, and I think that in time they promised me hand over heart that they will do everything they can for him to reunite with them or at least reestablish contact. So so. Uh, I'm I'm again cautiously optimistic that that it will happen, but obviously it's really difficult uh, with the war going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, not just him feeling, you know, the the strain of not having those four kids. Those four kids were finding so much comfort in him, and that was also speaking to the loss of innocence and how fast they have to grow up. I mean, he was he was looked at as that kind of his mother was kind of like, you know, you got to look after them, you tighten up, yeah. and look after them. That's a it's a lot of pressure in these circumstances, which was intense. I did want to ask about the parents. We saw his mother. Was it ever, um, and I think you answered this question. I'm going to ask already when you talked about the point of view a little bit, but uh, was it ever something you you were curious to, you know, about how kind of showing the other side, the parent side of this thing, or did you, did you discuss more things with them than we saw? Cause we didn't, we didn't really get their side of the story besides kind of like the phone call things, which is really intense. Yeah. But I was curious about kind of, the telling of their stories or just that there yeah. wasn't the focus here no i spent uh, the first half of the of the of the shooting of the film actually also going out with the social workers visiting the parents mm-hmm. either the parents that were you know under threat of having their kids taken away or uh, the parents that had had their kids taken away and were now fighting to get them back or at least some of them were um and i was filming this also and it was really powerful but at some point um uh, my editor and i we kind of looked through the uh, all of this uh, material mm-hmm. and and it dawned on us that um it or at least i wasn't able to shoot it in a way um that wasn't beautiful but somehow also too one dimensional uh, the way that they live the lives how they look uh-huh. Uh, it was important for me to to figure out how, or find a way to shoot them that actually reflected the nuances of their life. Yeah. And it would be very one-sided and would be too easy to judge these people uh, 
And I couldn't, for the life of me, really figure out how to do this. So we ended up actually skipping this material. But if yep. you're, for example, an example like Kolya's mom, as I told you, you know, she has no money. It's mm -hmm. almost impossible for her to get a job because there are no jobs left. When you have no savings and you don't even have a house, she was dependent on the man she was with to provide her with a house and some kind of income for her to feed her her kids, you know, because yeah. social welfare is almost non-existent also. Yeah. So what would happen was she would have a child with a, with a man, move in with how many kids she has, uh -huh. stay there until that man became too drunk or too violent, and then move on to the next man and repeat this. Wow. So when Kolya and her siblings were taken away, even though it hurt her a lot, uh, at, I think what she kind of consoled her with was at least now they're having three meals a day and a warm bed to sleep in. And maybe even also some some cool old uh, ladies looking after them and regular school, you know, and yeah. this is probably more than I can actually uh, uh, provide yeah. them. So for her, it's in a lot of ways. She has obviously also her faults, but in a lot of ways, I I think that nuanced life that she almost has no it's a it's a it's a question uh, a choice between between a rock and a hard place when you're in this situation uh, as she was in. I'm not excusing her, but in in some ways I understand her uh, dilemma, uh, yeah. and it was impossible for me to 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 film it so that you would understand that dilemma, and that's why we skipped that uh, part of the yeah. of the film. You could see it when she was with her children, just you filming it. I mean, she she obviously loved it. It was just it was clear as could be. And so you get to thinking, you know, why? And you just nailed it there and you brought it home, uh, you know, because I was going to ask that, too. Why? Why doesn't she find a way to have them with there? And it just you just kind of broke down all the circumstances that led to it um, to uh, bring bring back to something you we've glossed over a little bit too much and you've said her name multiple times but there's a very inspiring person in this film and i was wondering if you could tell us a little bit of how, you know about seeing margarita um you know getting to know her watching what she did to the kid when you described what what it was like when you opened the door to this place and it, it you could feel something different and it, it, it's because of people like her uh can you talk about her just a little bit yeah, I, I guess her and Olga were the ones that really impressed me the most. Uh, and it took me a little bit of time to 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 kind of win, win them over, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. beginning, they were a little bit suspicious because that's the whole system there. When 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 your bosses says, you know, sends people, it's usually to spy on you or, or something like this. So they were a little bit apprehensive in the beginning. But then we started, you know, drinking coffee with them on a regular level and and then they started talking and then they couldn't stop talking. You know, yeah. they've been working there some some something between 20 and 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 30 years, you know, and the the amount of experience and the amount of understanding these kids' situation and the whole situation uh was amazing. But they've they've had none to speak about it uh mm -hmm. to any uh, you know ever. So so they shared so much with us and they taught us so much about how to to actually also, you know, interact with the kids and, you know, set our own boundaries because that's also very important. Yep. Um, and, and what I was so impressed about was 
for example, Margarita's, you know, reflections that, you know, this is a vicious cycle. And when I was starting, you know, these, I was taking care of kids that have now grown old and, and gotten kids themselves and they, their kids are coming back, you know, to me. And, and we have to do something to break this cycle. And it was very important for me to, to include these kind of experiences. And that's why she has the, 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 the voiceover in the film. Uh, but I think what makes them really exceptional is that they're not afraid to break a few of the rules because, you know, hugging kids and 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 even though they're not telling the kids outright, they also know, you know, that the kids are smoking. But instead of just banning it and having the kids sneak out and do it anyway, they kind of use it almost like a pedagogical tool, you know, oh, today you're not behaving, so you won't be able to go outside. Yeah, yeah. Which of course they know that the, the 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 kids that are addicted have to go outside. So that's in a way a soft power to get them to behave, you know, in a, in a way. So it, it's things like this that makes them exceptional because they they take care of the kids as kids and as you know caring people and 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 think that's really good compared to some of the rules that were otherwise a little bit uh, well maybe not always so good. Some rules need to be broken for certain reasons. It was it was kind of the the funny the 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 note the movie ends on not funny. It was it was it was deep and fascinating. Where it was kind of like this feeling with them that like the work kind of just continues. Like it's like we're in it. Like it's you know obviously the story is an ongoing story and the hurt is continuing. Was that kind of what like it kind of felt like something like they just like they're just gonna stay on the grind. The work continues. That was kind of I don't know if you could tell talk a little bit about how you know that feeling at the end that i got if you you know what i mean yeah they're kind of both margarita and olga in the film they were at the time you know margarita was counting down almost like she committed herself fully into this and she understood the the difference that she was making i think or at least she came to understand it really while we were there i think seeing herself from the outside from another perspective you know that they were kind of like the the only vanguard <laughs> you yeah. know holding back the tide or, or yeah. doing different so to speak and and they were committed to doing this until they were retiring you know yeah. uh, both of them mission, right i mean it, this, this is their life yeah, yeah. but absolutely uh, this is her hometown she grew up there she has her own family there and she wants to improve things especially yeah. for the kids because they were you know growing problems uh, due to the war but then the full-scale war broke out, and both Margarita and Olga, in the end, they had to flee uh, the country uh, or, or that part, uh, not the country, uh, but that uh, part of the country. Uh, and I think that kind of, in some ways, you know, moving all the way to to western parts of Ukraine, in the end, uh, for for Margarita, you know, went like, okay, um, I have no place to go to job anymore. I might have a new job, but but who knows under which circumstances. So she chose actually to stay and and watch over her 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 grandparents or grandchildren instead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the hope that is beautiful too, though. I didn't mean to say that it just kind of falls off a cliff because I mean she does talk about how you know hope dies last, and there's just that beautiful thing. Um, kind of bring us home a little bit. I'm curious when you make a piece of art like this that's so intimate and affecting and, and just tells this story uh, from this beautiful point of view. I'm curious what you hope 
that a viewer would um kind of walks away with what what i mean obviously we need to know these stories about these children that often when you know the war is being reported on they're not being reported on so just knowing yeah. that but i'm curious what what you hope the viewer walks away with I think hopefully, you know, a, a documentary like this can do something different than a, than a news clip can. You know, yeah. uh, we stay there for a longer period of time. And and because of this, I think it's also uh, it's it's possible for us to actually let our audience really come to know the characters that we portray and, and to really sympathize with them as they were, you know, your friends or relatives or something like this and really want the best uh to happen to them and that kind of level of of uh of um of engagement or sympathy i think actually brings about change or has the potential to bring about change and that was also the mission of the film was to bring it to Zelensky and and actually oh, yeah. you know, yeah because yeah. we were collaborating with an ngo that's called foundation voices of children that had a lot to say about you know uh, uh if we were to reform the this system you know uh, for the kids that 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 uh, can't go back to the families, uh, is there a better alternative than the state-run uh, institutions, mm -hmm. uh, which there were? Uh, it's called like uh, it's called patriotic families, but in in, in general, it's actually just you know uh, getting really good families to take in uh, from anything from one to to ten uh, kids, so in, in smaller numbers and make it more family orientated. So yeah. it were these big institutionalized uh, things and and the mission the whole mission with the with the film was uh, on a political level to actually get it to Zelensky and 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 try to see if we could affect some kind of change or at least inspiration for yeah. for when they're building up this uh this system or renewing this system how do you know have you seen it we we I screened it last year in October in uh -huh. um or was it the year before? I can't remember. But 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 in no last year in uh, Kiev and his ombudswoman for children's rights were actually at the uh, at, at the at the screening, and she wants she wanted to take it to him. Whether or not he did see it, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a it's it's a wonderful wonderful doc, and like it's definitely it's inspirational. It, it does bring out like the empathy. It's beautifully shot. It's artful and intimate, and it's it's very very important. So I'm glad to talk to you about it and, and to get to spread the word some. So thank you very much for coming on the program. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Michael, for having us. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.